Welcome back to Yemoja Speaks. Hey, I'm your host, Shalonda. And of course, you already know what this podcast is about. We talk about trauma and healing from our traumatic experiences through the means of art. And my background is foster care. So a lot of my talking points come from my experience in foster care. However, this podcast is to be opened to anyone who has ever experienced trauma and are looking to unlift and unroot that trauma and live their best lives. But with this podcast, we are expanding and we have a new person. Her name is Alexis and she has an amazing nonprofit and we have a partnership so that we can introduce a new segment of the podcast to you. So every Thursday, of course, you will hear me, your host, um, at 12 o'clock noon. However, we are adding a new day on Tuesdays and it will be me and Alexis talking back and forth about different topics as well as opening it up for interviews with different people. So say hi, Lex. Hey, how's it going? How's everybody doing? I'm super excited to be a part of this journey. I'm super excited to be a part of anything that has to do with foster care and I'm ready to talk it out. <laughs> Yes. So last week we ended up discussing uh, depression and I had a meeting with Lex. And so we were talking about depression and things like that. So we ended up saying that we wanted to do an interaction um, between me and her in a conversation that was more open. So I want to talk about depression with Lex and get her thoughts and her experiences of how she dealt with it. Cause I mentioned it in a previous podcast, how I dealt with it and how I, um, I'm, I'm high functioning. So I was like pushing it away, not wanting to deal with my emotions until it got to the point where I had to address it. So now we're going to, add another person in her perspective. So anything you want to add, Lex? So I'm not a professional. Um, and I always make sure that I use my statements right and I speak correctly because when you're speaking on somebody else's experience, you should, you should always come off from your point of view. You know, I'm not a professional. I don't, I, I only study, I've only read up and studied so much about mental health because of my mental health. Um, so I don't um, know the particulars and all the points and stuff like that about depression, but I understand how it can be perceived as other things. It can be perceived as being lazy. It can be perceived as um, you just mean or you just don't care or you just a lazy person. Like that's, I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to having depression. People just push them off. I want to have this conversation because I just feel like with COVID going on and so many things going on in the world, depression, and it's not even just like the mental health of depression. It could just be a period in life where you're depressed and you you don't have depression, but you're just depressed. And I feel like with COVID going on, that the world is in a big depression. Everybody in the world is really going through some type of depression. Um, they're not, they don't know how to um, manage their emotions and it's weighing on them. So I think that this conversation we have is perfect to, uh, to just help everybody to, to um, get out of their depression, you know, have another outlet, have... Understanding that that is more than one person in the world feeling like you, you know, or it's more than ten people. It's, it's majority of the world is feeling like you right now. So. Right. Yeah, and I want to add a little bit. I know that I went through um, depression and some of the symptoms last week. Some of um, 
I guess I talked about some common types, but I didn't go in depth. And so I want to list off some of the type of depressions and what people might feel because it's a little different. So you have the clinical depression, um, and I believe I mentioned this last week, which is the mental health disorder, and it's categorized by the persistent feeling of being depressed, the loss of entrance of like activities or uh, the impaired the impairment of like doing a daily activity. So your routine is even off, right? And then right. you also have the persistent depressive disorder, which can be the long-term form of depression, but it's a mild, it's not as severe where people might want to commit suicide. It's not to that degree. Then you also have bipolar depression, which is categorized as a disorder associated with episodes and mood swings. So with that, you might be very excited and so eager to start projects. And you're really hyped for this project to continue, but then you then go into the opposite and then you're so low and you don't want to be associated with that project whatsoever and you're really pushing it away. So that's bipolar. And then you have the bipolar two, which is categorized somewhat similar, but it's, it's depressive and hypomaniac episodes. And then the last one is postpartum depression. And postpartum is after you have your child. Well, that's decent. So, I didn't even know. I've only knew of, yeah. well, this is the crazy part. I knew of postpartum depression and for years people tried to misdiagnose me with manic depression. So I knew about that, but I didn't even know it was so many ways to break it down. You know, I didn't even know they classified postpartum as a depression. I just thought that was like, you know, some child, you know, stuff that happened after you had kids. Yeah, I mean, it's serious. Like, let's say this for me, I can talk about postpartum depression because I've experienced this where I didn't know what was exactly going on. But after I had my my first daughter, my whole routine changed, right? So I was always on the go. I was actively participating in like my career building. I was a student after graduation. I expected to lead into my career. And then when I decided to start my family, I was like, okay, this is a new adventure. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like for me to have my own child. I have nieces, I have nephews, but to have my own child, I didn't know what to expect. And it, it slowed my routine down. So I was always in the house. I was always around her and it was a beautiful experience. However, because the drastic change, I fell into, um, a depressed state. I'm not going to say that I was like experiencing postpartum depression because I still had wonderful things that were happening. Like, so I was nursing her and she latched very well. So I was bonding with my first daughter, Hazina, because of those things that were happening. But I did feel a disconnect and I was like wanting to have a career, but I also wanted to be a family stay-at-home mom and I was battling these two conflictions and I noticed that even though I was still actively you know teaching her and being happy with her I still felt disconnected because I wanted to have a career at the same time and I didn't know how to make those two worlds blend together and that that right there can can start the uh the spiral of depression you know yeah um, yeah 
I've never been a mom, but when I've been pregnant, and I know that my mind state when I when I've been pregnant is, I start panicking. I start asking myself questions I've never asked myself. Like, oh my gosh, am I gonna be? What if I'm like my mother? What if I'm wrong? What if I can't do it? You know. So having all that anxiety, anxiety while you're pregnant, I feel like it. If if it's not catered to right, when you finally have a kid, it's inspiring for depression. It's just, I, yeah. I, I think it's just you questioning yourself because. A kid is serious, you know? Raising somebody else's life, that is serious stuff, you know? How they turn out is is based on you, you know? So that is a lot of pressure for one person, you know, because people can grow up and become who they want to become, you know? Yep. Yep, it is. And, like, having the idea that, I like what you just said, Um, will I be like my mother, right? Will I have the same... Uh, behaviors will I do or act out the same things and I know for me I struggled with even those thoughts too like am I a good mom will I still right. carry some of the the tragedies that my family has within that's embedded in them but I mean I know that I have to do something to actively change that so what can I do to change it I know that I'm going to probably inflict some pain um, and I have to deal with that, right? I have to know what's going to come. So I already have it in my mind that my daughters are going to come to me eventually and say, mom, you did not do this correct. And I wish you would have done this. So I'm preparing myself now for those conversations by realizing that I'm going to make mistakes. And I know that they're going to be perceived by me as being detrimental. But for them, as a child that's growing up, they're going to see my mistakes and say, well, you were human and you were a mother and they're going to be right. more forgiving to me, but I have to be forgiving for myself because I can't teach them what I don't know until I learn it, right? So right. I have to be in control and aware how my mood swings affect them, how I interact with them, what I say to them is crucial, crucial, so... I try to be really mindful. However, I also know that I'm not going to be the perfect parent. And sometimes my emotions is not going to be all the way corrected. However, I know that I have a job, which is when I do mess up to treat my children like human beings and go to them and apologize. If I want them to apologize when they are wrong, I also have to be a parent that apologizes to my own children. Facts. And it's it's about it's about how you raise them. Too. You know, yeah. when, um, I also remember my one of my brother's uh baby moms, I just remember when she uh had her son and they came, you know how after you have the baby they come to put the baby on your chest. Yeah. And she didn't want she didn't want to she didn't want to touch that nigga, she didn't want to hold that nigga. She's and she started to say like I feel like I'm gonna be a bad mom. So like it just it's very um Depression is very serious, and that's why I wanted to have this conversation. Because um, people that think it's no big deal, like, dude, you're fine. You're a great mom. You're going to be great. Dude, you got a house. You got a car. You got you got a way to feed your kids. You got a way to, to take care of yourself. You got a way to pay your bills. What are you stressing about, you know? And that's just a, another person looking in on your life and how you handle it. I also right. wanted to have this conversation because I know a couple weeks ago a tragedy happened in Cleveland. It was really big because this guy who... Um, committed suicide, a lot of people in Cleveland knew him. And a lot of people didn't have good feedback for this um, situation. Like they were saying like, this man had kids, 
he should have loved his life more. Like, dude, you got kids. You can't live for nobody but your kids. Live for your kids. And I'm, and as I'm reading all this stuff, I'm like, wow, people really think that depression is something that you can just get over it. Get over it. Snap out of it. Just stop feeling like that. You got stuff to do. You don't have time to be sad. Like, and it's not that, you know? And so I understand that folks from a big point because when people try to diagnose me as, I mean, having manic depression, and I was like, you know, I'm really good at being sad, but tomorrow I got to go to work. You know, I got to get out of it. So I understood that that wasn't me because manic depression is not something that you can be like, I got to go to work. I got to get my kids is crying. I got to, you know, it's all, it starts um, a train thought in your head. Like maybe my kids be better off without me. You know what? That job don't like me anyway. I don't need to be there. You know, it starts to tell you other things instead of trying to figure out how to beat it. It's things in your mind telling you, it's things in your mind defeating you, you know? These things are defeating you. They're telling you um, that you're not a good parent or that you get your, parent, your kids be better off if you weren't here or you're not a good brother or you're not a good son. The job hates you, you know? Nobody loves you. These are the things that your mind is telling you. Why Everybody else is telling you you should be happy. You got money, you got a job, you got everything that you have. Why are you sad? What are you going through? And it becomes a mental thing. That's what you don't understand why it's called a mental health. Because it's, it's mental. It's something that your mind is doing, you know, and you have no control over it. Not wanting to be sad. Half the people that deal with depression probably don't want to be sad. They don't want to think like this. They don't want to have these thoughts. They don't want to feel like they're out of control of their mind and their body and when they're doing things. But it's a mental thing. It's something that needs maybe medication or therapy. Or if a person has a grill, which most black people do, and this is why I want to have this conversation for both African American. And a lot of black people are so tough with sweeping stuff under the rug. Like, no, I don't got time for that. You got to get over it. We got stuff to do. Let's move on. You're not sad. Get over it. You know? Yeah. So, my bad. So, um, we we got to be better with ex- expressing ourselves, being able to talk to somebody about it, you know? Like, a lot of people, I got, I know a lot of people that say, like, I don't like therapy. I don't, I'm not with the traditional therapy um, thing. I don't want to do that, you know? And like I was talking with Sonya, and, she, and like she was saying, her, her interview, you know, therapy is a, is a number of things. It could be going outside getting some fresh air, writing it down. But my best thing in the world, and I, and I feel like this is what I live on. I'm not a professional, like I said before. You can't heal nothing that you never worked through. So that means if you never let it out, and that means anyway, that means if you go outside and scream for 20 minutes, you letting that out, you know, or you write it down, you letting that out. So if you never get it, let it out, or you never let it heal, it won't heal correctly. It won't heal. And you will think you're cool and you won't. And if you don't handle these things where you know something is wrong with you, then you'll get to a life where you've built everything that you wanted in life and you're still depressed. You're still sad. And it won't matter. There are so many celebrities that were rich, making good money, that took their own life. They didn't want to be here anymore. They felt like no matter all the money in the world couldn't, um, all the money in the world couldn't fix how they was feeling in their mind. That's why I want people. That's why I want people to grasp for. You know, it doesn't matter how many kids you have. It doesn't matter if you got the perfect wife in the world. It doesn't matter if uh, you uh, the best person in the world to everybody else. It's all about how you feel about yourself. It's such an internal thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's such a thing where you have to battle um, a decision that you have to battle with yourself in your mind. Right. 
Okay, so I had a few things that I wanted to address what you said. Um, the first thing when you said that your friend did not want to hold her baby after giving birth and she was just like, you know, internally thinking about like, am I going to be a good mother? Uh, postpartum depression, you don't have, you know, you carried this child and it's been developing inside of you for the, the past nine and a half months. Now it's out into the world and you don't have that connection, that bond to it because the depression and the thoughts and the anxiety that you have is like physically separating you two from each other. And that's the real thing, you know? So yes, I do believe um, that happening. And then even let's go like this. Let's say you want to be a breast, a nursing mom, right? And your baby is not latching on because that's a difficult process, right? Your baby, um, (laughs) Your baby is like trying to find start making you. you feel like something wrong with you. Like what's going on with me? Like, yeah. Me, you know? Or if the baby do latch and it hurts because that process, it hurts. It, it becomes chap. It's a difficult thing. Like you just went through childbirth, right? And now you have to have sore nips, right? And it's a process. And now you have to be in a space that says that you have to basically disconnect yourself from you and then have complete ownership to the baby your body is now the baby's and now you have to go another two years for this this baby using your body now your body is not even yours right so I think that even as mothers having to deal with this idea that I took off these nine ten months for my body to be solely for the babies, for the child. Now I have to go another year or two, depending on how long you breastfeed. And yeah. now my body is the babies still. Right. So I think right. the idea of you being in this space where you don't even have control over your own body can also set in like high anxiety because you want to be a little bit more free, especially if you never had a child, never went through this experience, and now you're being you know, trapped into this idea that you don't even have control over your body. You can't eat or drink or do certain things that you once were able to do because you have this baby that depends solely on you as a mom. It's high stress on the mother. High stress. And, and, and another thing is, I'm bringing this back to foster care. Imagine you being pregnant and you having a kid and you didn't have a, an example on how to be a mother. You know, yes, you didn't have anybody to look into. So on top of that, that's the pressure. Or just having a having a kid and being like, I don't have no support system. You know, having a kid and be like, it's just me. I don't have a family. You know, all all them things factor into uh, can factor into building up the pressure and to build it up. You know, I don't have nobody. Nobody's here to help me. Oh my god, I don't know. I don't have a mom. How do I do this? What do I do? I don't know what to do. Like, you're supposed to ask your mom. You know, I remember filling out applications for college and started to cry because I'm like, my parents supposed to be sitting right here helping me with this, and I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah. just imagine having another life in your hands. You know, a lot of people go to, they stay with their mom the first week or they, they mom and they mom is right there with them with their first baby because they know that they're going to need the help and the support. You know, it's your mom's little tweaking ideas. So she'd be like, just put the baby head up, hold it like this and then it goes to sleep, you know? But if you don't yeah. have those things, then you panic it. You know, you add panic to your, yourself. You're like, I don't have a mom. I don't have that support. My baby don't got a grandmother or a grandfather. You know, it don't, don't have an auntie. You don't have an uncle. And that brings stress to yourself. Like, you know, I don't want my kids to be alone. They don't have any cousins. You know, all these type of things that are, that are bring stress to you, you know? And that can form into a depression. And then say that that rumbles and roars and something. 
or just yeah. even the kids that continue the generational curse where their kids are tipping and put into the system because something happened and they couldn't be a good mom right now or a good dad and uh that adds on depression you know if that start a whole depression you know damn i'm just like my parents i lost my kid to the system you know yeah and now the cycle starts all over yeah Okay, so now I got a few more things. Uh, the Go second ahead. thing was um, the guy who committed suicide because he couldn't deal with it and the flood of comments that said, like, oh my gosh, you got kids to live for. And right, right, you right. mentioned the thought, like, of they are better off without me. That is what right, mental right. health does. And you're absolutely yeah. right. And I and then you mentioned that um, we as people, the Black people, should be more considerate and concerned about our mental health. But I think we have this idea that we still do need to push on. And we're so resilient. We're so powerful. Because <gasps> imagine like all of the stuff that we had to get through. Our ancestors went through beatings and enslavement. And now we are here and we have survived all of this turmoil, it builds us up to say that we need to push these things away. And so we make a big joke about it. But I think now we are leading into the idea of expanding our options and understanding that our mental health is crucial. And then some of us are even trying to break those chains and those generational curses from what our parents used to do because we are focusing on our mental health now than ever before. And I know that, you know, traditional talking it out is not everybody's cup of tea. Everybody is not going right. to be like, let's talk about our problems today. So <laughs> right. Let's get <laughs> out. Know, like, yeah. Like, no, I agree. Yeah. It's like other, other ways, like art therapy and poetry and like a lot of people put it into their raps, their songs. Yeah, I was like songs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think what needs to happen, though, in like certain areas, if it, it needs to have structure, because I like a good rap song, I'm not gonna lie, but like pose it to the kids that it's knowledgeable that, you know, you live in a certain condition, but you don't have to be a product of that condition. You know, start teaching the youth that yes, you come from a certain background, but you don't have to stick it out and be in that certain background for all of your life and and when you put it in the music you're putting your conditions in the music talk about the conditions that you're in but then talk about how you want to uplift yourself out of that situation so how would you want to change the circumstances how do you want to change the narrative of your life and for me what your boja speaks and doing things with the art the final goal is to change the narrative of a person. So if you are an actor, right, you have the ability to create a scene about what happened to you and then what you want to happen to you, right? And so right. the idea of um, non-traditional ways of healing is what do you foresee in the future? How can you change the outcome by focusing on what you want rather than what you happened to you and but in, in, in the sense of because you saying that it's going i don't want people to think that it's something that people can be like oh my gosh you're sad you see all you gotta do is think about not being sad and get over it i want people to understand if they sad or if they feel like that it's the end of the world call me okay because we gonna help you figure it out and i'm gonna help you 
make a plan or you know it's, it's people out here that help you make a plan to show you why it's not that or you know we, we can help you show yeah. why your mind is moving like that and not to think like that because it's, people don't understand that depression is not something you can just snap out of it's not nothing that you'd be like oh i'm sad today i'm not let's get over it i got to yeah like i said it's something that takes a process and it gotta you gotta want to do it though and that's one thing yeah. I, I can't say like you gotta want to be like i don't like some thinking like this you know because the suicide is real people men kill themselves every day women kill themselves every single day suicide is so real and when you get to the point where you're like i don't care no more there's nothing nobody can do you've already came to the decision that you're going to do what you're going to do when you're going to live how you're going to live or die how you're going to die and you got to take steps before that before you feel like it's too much before the weight gets too heavy before it can become too much and, and i'm saying this because I promise you it's not the end of the world. Nobody who feel like it's the end of the world, like everything's over. There's no solution. Oh my fucking God, everything keeps going wrong. It's, it's stupid. I'm not I'm forever going to be fucked up. I promise, I swear to God, I can, I can bet my whole life on it. That everything, if you take the time to heal, everything will be fine. You'll be just, yeah. you'll be just fine. Everything will work itself out. Everything will be fine. But I understand being in the midst of being depressed. I've never had depression, but I've been in the midst where I've had stages where I was depressed. And I'll be like, you know what? I don't care. Ain't nothing about to go right anyway. I'm bad luck. Don't nothing good ever happen to me. Like, it, this, it is what it is. But I'm real firm on um, religion and just having a relationship with God. And I believe that faith without work is dead. We can believe in something all we want. We can believe that we want this job. But if we don't get out there and look for a job, it's not going to fall in our lap. So as, as strong as your determination is to be sad or to go through whatever you're going through, find a little bit of light because that's all you need is a little bit of light to be like i need help even if you use that little bit of energy to be like i'm sad fuck life but i need help to so reach out to somebody one person to say i need help and you you, you already set yourself up to be a better person you already set yourself up to get better and do better in life so it's all about dedication you know to yourself you know how much do you love yourself even if it's just a teeny 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 bit take that teeny teeny bit and go as far as you can with it because that little teeny bit of it'll open up a blossom into a lie and you will be looking back at your life like yo i used to be like this and now i'm like this i used to be really sad and stuck in my ways and now i'm like i can i can now now you can mention somebody else you can help somebody else through with this you feel like they can't get through it like it's the end of the world nothing's going to get better and it is it's, it's not it's not the end of the world things happen you know things happen and they don't go in our favor life happens and it's everything that happens is always a plan where it can get you out and you can be smiling in the air no matter what it is it can work itself out it'll work itself out yeah i believe um dealing with it which means that you have to like let's say like this let's say that happened as a person was developing into who they are supposed to be as a child something happened right. at five years old that situation with them the feeling the emotions especially if a person was not protected by the people that's supposed to have protected them their parents and that in itself can cause a lot of things to happen but the thought process begins of no one cares about me no one has ever protected me no one is here for me and at five years old if that problem wasn't addressed then, it persisted all the way up into now you're 25 years old. That means for 20 years of your life, 
you have had to deal with this thought process, this narrative that no one cares about you. No one loves you. No one is there for you. And if you have had this thought process for 20 years, it's nothing that you can just be like, okay, today I'm okay. Everybody loves me. Everybody cares about me. No, you had to live for this 20 years of your life. It takes time for you to say, okay, what happened to me at five? I love myself, but that means that you have to go to a professional person to, you know, get rid of these thoughts, get rid of these narratives that you told yourself for the past 20 years of your life, because that's how you lived your life for 20 years. No one loves me. No one will ever love me. If that's what your, your daily thought process has been, you have been living this, this narrative for a very long time. And I've studied psychology and there's a thing called learned helplessness, which you can you continue a behavior, even though you know it's like suicidal, right? It's crazy for you to continue to do it. But you repeat this behavior and you're going to continue to repeat this behavior, even though you know better. It's a learned helplessness, right? So... Mm-hmm the narrative continues to fester in your mind and you continue to act out in ways that feed into it. So you're going to have relationships that reinforces this idea that says, no one loves me. You get into a relationship with a person and they're completely disrespecting you and they don't have no regards of respecting you because they look at you and you don't have respect for yourself. They say that they don't even love you and it feeds into the narrative that you told yourself for the past 20 years Years and you're confirming it like, see, I told you, they didn't love me. They treated me this way. They disrespected me daily. And so now it feeds into this narrative that you've told yourself and now it becomes your reality. So number one is recognizing where the trauma began, begun and going back to that place, that time, those feelings and addressing that initial trauma because every trauma that has stemmed after that was caused by that first one that you had so when you go to therapy and you start talking about the relationships that you have with people or you start to you know say what's going on in your mind and your current reality they take you back in this timeline of well where did it first start at what what was this yes that's why i'm glad you i'm glad you said that because when you said thought you know a lot of things that the way you think, you know, if you think you're gonna get pulled over, you probably gonna get pulled over today. If you think that this is gonna happen, you're 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 manifesting these thoughts, and you don't even know because it's so subconscious that you're doing it. You're putting stuff in place for this to happen when you're thinking like that, you know. So if you think happier thoughts, better thoughts, and I know that sounds so whitewashed and watered down, like that's so corny. Think happy thoughts, but that's realistic, you know. Because when I saw my day start off and it's starting to be bad, I used to be like, I'm about to have a bad day. And the whole day would be bad. It would be a bad day. But nowadays, when I was some pissed me off, I'd be like, mm, I'm gonna have a good day. Everything's gonna be fine. This is okay, Alexis. Everything's fine. I talk myself down, I talk myself out of it, and she goes fine. And I'm not me nor Shalanda are saying this like we the happiest people in the world and we never get sad. You know, we like we don't battle things, we don't get, go through stuff. We are human, and that's what I want to be so um transparent when talking out is to let people know I'm human. You know, I'm human. I get sad, I get I get days where I want to give up and not feel like I want to do nothing because I am human who suffered through a lot of trauma. Foster care was a trauma in itself. So 
I'm still healing. But in the process of me healing, I want to show people what works for me. You know, I remember one day being so sad that I sat in the car. I had just got out of the county jail. I did six months in county jail fighting my case. And I probably had been home for like three months. And I was homeless for 18 months after I got out of jail. And I was sitting in the car and I pulled over on 30th and I called my sister and I said, I'm about to go to jail. And she's like, why? I'm like, I don't got nowhere to sleep tonight. So I'm about to walk in the county and tell them I killed somebody or did something so I can have somewhere to sleep. Or I'm about to kill myself because I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to. So I understand the thought of suicide for a long time. When I first got in therapy, I used to tell people all the time, like, I, I would rather be dead. I don't got to worry about bills. I don't got to worry about my boyfriend loving me. I don't got to worry about kids, dogs. I don't care. I'm going to be dead. That sounds so peaceful. You know, it sounds so peaceful not to worry about stuff. But in reality, me living, I've, I'm, I'm better. I'm very peaceful. I'm so happy I fought through that, through them depressions, through feeling like that, through feeling like that. Nothing mattered because I'm not homeless no more. You feel me? At that moment, I felt like it was the end of the world. I had nowhere to go. It was nothing. I might as well just die. Ain't, ain't nothing else gonna be for me. And I've been in my place for almost four years. So imagine if I would have died, I would have never got to where I am now. You know, I would have never got to healing and being where I am at, where I'm at now. But it was times that that crossed my mind. I might. And I tell people all the time that healing is a process. When I, I remember when I first moved to my apartment, everybody around me was happy but me. My mama kept saying, you're not happy. Why are you not smiling? I'm like, I'm just waiting for somebody to walk in and tell me they made a mistake and take my kids away. I had been homeless for so long that I knew that I was going to be homeless. I had been in this thing with people and I had been in situations and stuff had went happen. I'm back homeless. So I was just waiting. For like five months in my apartment, I was really like, I had anxiety. I was waiting for the, I didn't, I didn't really unpack anything. I didn't have no furniture. People were trying to give me stuff I didn't want it because of my mind with my mental health that this wasn't real and it was going to mess it up. So it took time and energy and wanting me really wanted to feel like this. I want to be happy. I want to be regular and love people and not be all messed up. So it took me wanting that, you know, and I went in therapy and I, I have a psychiatrist. And I have an amazing support system. And it, and it also goes around the people you hang out with and you associate yourself with. If you're around somebody that's always negative and always got something negative to say, you might want to remove yourself from them if you're battling depression. Because them people are going to feed your depression. They're going to feed it. You sit around talking about that job stupid. They're going to be like, yeah, that job is stupid. You might as well quit. They don't give a fuck about it. You know, they're just going to feed it with their negativity. And if you really want to heal and be a better version of yourself and be there for your kids or your family, or just, like I said, just for yourself, at the end, when, once you beat depression, that's like a, you should get a ticket. We should have an award show because that is something to beat, you know? So telling, beating your own mind, having a, the biggest fight you have is within yourself. So being your own mind, telling your mind, where your mind telling you you're not good enough, you should just go ahead and off yourself, you should just take your life. Or you should just be stupid forever. You're just dumb. You're not going to ever be nothing. And you beat that, you're a rock star. Anything else, nothing. Nothing in life. You could do anything else, bruh. I'd be depression. You better get out of my face, you know? So... Yeah. I just feel like that taking it one one day at a time, taking your thoughts, as you said, and making sure that they're healthy thoughts, being around healthy people, you know, putting yourself in healthy environments, that's real. You know, I got friends that I love to death. I love them all the time, but sometimes I ignore them and I have to stay away from them because their life gives me anxiety and I have anxiety. So just imagine if you was had depression and you're around somebody who's negative and their life is just making you more depressed. You're like, oh God, I can't do this. And they right, maybe they're right. Well, also, yeah. I'm going to draw my contact information for talking out because talking out is an outlet too, you know. Um, even talking to me, if you want to sit down and talk to me, I'm not a therapist, you know. And I tell people all the time, the, the real reason I push therapy, and people be like, I don't want to sit down and talk to nobody, I don't know. 
is because a lot of people be like, I got my friends, I got my mom, I can talk to my mom, I can talk to my friends, I can talk to my boyfriend. They're not, they're not trained for that professionally, which means if their mental space is not, you know, sometimes like my friends will call me and I'll be like, I can't today because I'm dealing with my own stuff mentally. But a therapist, when she in her office and you got a schedule time, whatever she's dealing with, it's out the window. She got her space for you. Or this person got their space for you. Or your friends and, and people around you might be too close to the issue. They might know that you, they might know the person that you got a problem with. You know what I mean? Yeah, and or so, and, they, just, and they're not professional and they say the wrong thing or they do yeah. the wrong thing. And now, you, now you're living with it and you feel it some type of way and you can't take it, you can't really take it to him because they're not professional. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't know how to be, what terms to use. Like you might be like, I'm depressed, and then somebody be like, Girl, shut the fuck up. You just lazy. You need to get your ass up. And you really telling your friend like, Yo, I'm depressed, and they not trying to hear that shit. They trying to, they they don't hear depression because black people in the, in the community, it's not even black people. We gonna say poverty. Poor people believe that everything will be all right. Just cover it up, girl. Get over it. Cry. Move the fuck out. And when you put a, if you was to get shot in the leg and put a bandaid over it, you're not gonna heal. You're gonna die probably. So when we just say move along and we just put band-aids on stuff, you gotta heal and tend to your mental health like you would tend to a bullet wound. You gotta tend to that. That's real. I'm not I'm not faking with that. Sometimes I ignore people and I take space. I love long showers because I can sit in there and think, like, yo, I need to do this, I need to move like this. You know what? Well, I need to stop messing with this person, I need to stop doing this. It's nothing wrong with cutting stuff out, social media, Facebook, TV, and sitting down with yourself and figuring it out why you feel like this, you know? And there is nothing but sinners. Like, if you Google how to kill yourself, guess what's going to pop up? A hundred suicide numbers. A hundred links to suicide stuff, you know? Um, so there are so many resources out here where people want to help you. People want you to live. I love everybody. I don't want nobody to die. I don't want nobody to take their life because I feel like it's, it could get better. I promise you it can get better. I want people to live. So I want to put out as many resources as I can when it comes to this mental health stuff because... I, I hate seeing the world so sad. And I know it's such a strong time for everybody to be having anxiety and be depressed with COVID going on, but we got to find the happiness in it, just a little bit of the happiness in it. Yeah. And I'm happy that you shared your experience because, you know, if somebody connects with that, like somebody is going through homelessness, homelessness right now and don't have like hope right now for themselves, just hearing that you overcame it, you got a house, and then the process that you have to go through, like, you didn't even want to accept furniture from people, no. because you're like, no, oh, this, to give me, this about to be over. Yes, people were trying to, somebody was about to give me a whole sectional and all this stuff, and I told them, no, I'm like, no, it's okay. And they was like, seriously? Yeah. And I remember my dude at the time was like, you know what I'm going to take you? I'm like, why? Because then we're going to have to keep going. We're going to have to figure out how to get all this stuff out when they kick us out, or when I get yeah. kicked out, you know? So... Yeah, for sure. It's going to get better. I promise to do. I promise the pain don't last. I can swear my life on it. I will put my life on the line to anybody's depression, to anybody's thing. I will put my life on the line and bet it to the Lord that it's going to get better. It's going to get better. I promise it to get better. <coughs> Nothing lasts forever. Pain and hurt, that do not last forever. It go away. Happiness come. And I know a lot of people be like, I, I wish happiness to stay. That's all about your mind state and how you look at stuff and how you take it. I want to include that, um, like, emotions are definitely like a wave. You have the highs, you have the lows, and you just ride that wave along. But it's not going to be like every single day you're super excited. Like, even if you have a lot of stuff that's really happy and that's going on that you're excited about, you're being productive, like, there's going to still be times where you're like, I'm sad. 
and people look at you right. like you're crazy like you have all this great stuff that's going on like look at your right. life like it's amazing but it's a wave you you just have to go and ride that wave there's going to be sad times even though you have all of this that life has to offer but it's about how you sit in it deal with it and think about well why are you sad at this moment what are you thinking about and right. for me I was like thinking about my friend passing away and I have all these great things that's going on, but you know, it's the smallest thing that could just trigger it. Like I'm looking at something, a name pop up and I'm like, Oh, that's my, my friend's name. You know? Oh, I'm thinking about all the happy times that I had with them, all the conversations that we had. Oh, this, that, and the fourth that we were going to do all the plans. And at that moment I'm saddened because the plans have been cut short the memories, I have them, but we can't laugh together. So now I got to remember the jokes. And at that moment, I'm sad, but I am I know that I'm going to become happy again because I have all these great things that's happening in my life right now. I just have to sit there in my sadness, in my memories and what happened. But then I know that the next minute over, I'm going to be okay. And that's fine. We can go through those ways. We can be sad at one point, but we can also enjoy life at the next point. Right? And, I'm, and I'm so happy you use that as an example because I, I want to touch on this real quick. Um, there's a difference between grief and being sad, you know, because I, when I'm talking to a client and I'm and I'm getting them insight in for mental health situations and they be like, yeah, I think I'm depressed. And I'm like, is you going through something in life right now? Are you sad or are you depressed? Because depression and grief are two different things. You know, when my brother died, People kept saying, like, are you okay? And my therapist was like, uh, and I just had to tell people, like, yo, chill, I'm grieving. The difference between being depressed and gr- grieving. When somebody dies, grief can take up a month. Many months is, is the needs to do, but you're grieving. You're still. And, uh, but you could be sad. Okay, before you go, I do want you to, like, um, talk about what Talk It Out is and what things uh, that you have to offer. So go ahead and do your shout out. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so as everyone knows, my name is Alexis, and I own a nonprofit organization called Talk It Out. Um, the purpose of Talk It Out is to help foster kids find financial freedom and to also help young adults take accountability, action, and awareness over their mental health. And when I say accountability, action, and awareness, um, you cannot take steps to face your mental health until you take them three A's. You know, you'd be like, I want to do it. I need to do it. What I got to do to do it to fix it. So um, Talk It Out is just... I created this platform where I help people do that, you know, just helping them stabilize their mental health and making sure that foster kids leave the system and they got all the tools that they need to not be homeless like me, <laughs> you know, to have a bank account and to have high school diploma or a driver's license or whatever they need, life insurance, car insurance, you know, so those type of things. Um, I also have a resource table every Friday and Saturday at the farmer's market off 105 in Superior, where you can come down there and sit with me and talk about resources. You can bring resources to me and we can figure it out together. Um, if you know any new resources that you feel like would be beneficial to me or age out youth or a young adult battling uh, mental health, please um, inbox me or um, send a message or email or a text message to talk it out um, because I'm down to network and connect with people. We trying to, there is no, I'm doing this by myself when it comes to mental health. It needs a group. So I'm down with building a group and being a part of anybody's anybody's platform where they're trying to do the same things that I'm trying to do. So in a big scoop, yeah. talking out is just one big old hug. Yeah. And I'll leave all of the links for her. She's on Instagram as, as well as Facebook. Um, so I'll leave the links in the description box as well as some information. She also has her website, y'all. So she official. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. And we are out. And I'll talk to you Thank later. Thank you for allowing me up. All right, The cold weather is here and not everyone can afford to stay warm. The nonprofit organization Talk It Out is hosting a collect a coat drive for this winter. If you would like to make a donation, all of the links will be in the description box. You can contact Alexis Smith by email, text message, phone call, or connecting through the direct messages in her social media.